Good morning. Good morning, Father's House. Good morning. I'm Bonnie Holfein. So, as you may or may not know, I am a new grandma. I am so happy about this baby. So, she's 10 months old, and she's like a perfect cupcake of perfect. She's so beautiful. And, um, yeah, I'm a little excited about her. It's like I get these videos. It's like you're listening to her. She's learning how to go. I'm like, again, again, I'm just remembering repeat with these little videos my daughter-in-law sends me. And it's like, just listening to that all day, not getting anything done because I'm so excited about this new baby. And, but you know, um, I think that, that watching my daughter-in-law be so uh, devoted and solicitous of this little girl, and I'm just really proud of Katie because she's just, just super devoted to this baby, um, I'm seeing that, that the heart of God is not only the Father God, but I'm also seeing the maternal attributes of God because all of love, God is love. So it's not just the fierce father love, but it's also the beautiful maternal love. And I'm seeing this in my daughter-in-law who's giving herself sacrificially to this baby morning, noon, and night. And um, I'm blessed. But I'm seeing that the, the father is... is uh, that God is also maternal. And the maternal attributes of God, you can see in this beautiful verse in Isaiah, uh, it's Isaiah 40, 11, and it said, he will tend his flocks like a shepherd. He will gather lambs in his arms, and he will carry them in his bosom, and he will gently lead those who are with young. Isn't that beautiful? So the same God who is, we see all these attributes of God being mighty and, and sovereign and big, powerful things. At the same time, he's also caring and nurturing. And uh, other attributes I think that are, that I think of as being maternal attributes are things like compassion and generosity and creativity. It's like these are the things that moms need to be, but we find those things in the heart of God. In Psalm 91, uh, verse 4, it says, he will cover you completely and protect you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a wall. Isn't that so much like a mom that we protect? We protect our babies. You know, when, when I was single, I didn't have much use for wasps or mice or anything like that, and I might have run away or screamed. But when you are a mom and there is a bee or a wasp near your high chair or your stroller, you're like, forget it. You get so angry. It's like, give me that shoe. You get away from my baby. It's like, did you? I wasn't brave before, but now I am because that thing is near my baby. And all of a sudden, you become brave because your baby's involved, right? So I'm just studying the, the beautiful attributes of God that he has the ability to be all these creative things that moms need to be. They find their, their origin really in the heart of God. And the other thing I saw recently was that Jesus is the one who really models nurture. I remember when my girls were little, I was looking for a model in scripture of who could model uh, being a good mom. And you know, Deborah, she fought some battles, and that actually sounds like fun to me. And Estra, she was a beauty queen, and that's exciting. She got to wear makeup and do good hair, and I like that. But I was really looking for someone in scripture who could model this, you know, you're home all day, and you're a little bit in anonymity, and you're in seclusion. You know, when you have preschoolers, you don't have solitude or fellowship. You have Papa Pig, and we had to have, you know, you have, you, have, you have little kids and goldfish. And it's like, I used to have thoughts. I used to make conversation. And now if you have small children, you are a little bit in seclusion and you're serving. And so when I saw this verse, this beautiful verse in Mark 6, 
It says, Jesus said to the disciples, come away by yourself to a secluded place and rest for a while. You have met many people who were continually coming and going, and they didn't have time to rest or eat. And so that's what Jesus says. He affirms, like a mom, the fact that we need to rest. Like Jesus took naps in that, in that boat, and we're like, yeah, that's my favorite thing to do is take a nap. So I'm like, thank you, God, that you affirm that it's okay that I need to rest physically. God, Jesus isn't mad at us because we have physical bodies that need care and that maybe your baby needs a nap and maybe you need a nap and sometimes maybe even your husband needs a nap. You know, that mater the maternal love has to go to the people that you love and people are hangry and you're like, oh, it's 3 o'clock. I know what's necessary. Somebody needs some goldfish or some cookies or some coffee because everybody's attitude is spiraling. But as a mom, you're like caring for people's physical needs and that's what Jesus did. You know, when after the resurrection, they were out fishing, and Jesus said, brothers, have you caught any fish? And they said, not really. And he said, cast your nets on the other side for a big harvest. But you know what he was doing? He was making breakfast. Jesus was making the fire and the fish and the bread for the breakfast. So it's like he understands our humanity. He understands our needs. And so as, as moms, we can affirm our kids' needs for affirmation, for nurture, for provision. We make those things, but that in that way, we're reflecting the heart of God. I think that's really cool, that as we affirm the needs of our kids, that they, may, they become, we nurture them, not because we love to cut other people's meat, not because we love to change diapers, not because we love to fight a preschooler who doesn't want you to wash her hair. My little girl, in order to wash her hair, I had to take dry washcloths and let her hold them to her, her eyes. And I put her head back, and she's in the bathtub, and I'm pouring warm water over her hair. Lily made me do that for, like, a long time. She wouldn't, like, let me wash her hair the normal way. So I'm like, okay, this is just not my favorite season. But the thing is, what happens is, is the nurture engenders trust. Trust that, that you are doing things on the best interest of your baby. And then trust when a kid gets to be six or eight, you can reproduce faith. You can say, trust me, Jesus is faithful. And they get to be out nine and they realize that mom's not always in a good mood. She loses her temper. She's a little maladjusted, but Jesus is faithful. But you're trying to preserve them so they don't run away from home before they get to be 10 because you have engendered trust. And, you have in, and, and then they translate that into faith because you know, kids figure out that you're pretty flawed. But if they, if they trusted that you're doing the best you can as unto the Lord, then you're like, you know what? Trust the Lord Jesus because he's always faithful and he's always patient. I am not. And so it, it's a progression that you can cooperate with growing faith in your kids. I think that's really good news, that as you water people's giftedness and their temperaments and their preferences, do you know that, that all those things grow up in the laboratory of the kingdom of God, which is the home? in your home, in your kitchen, the laboratory for growing godliness, for an affirming someone's introvert or extrovert pronouns, people's talents, people's, uh, people's gifts, people's uh, preferences. You know, if, if the world needs apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers, they might be growing up in your house as you grow into them, as you foster their giftedness. I have a, a friend, and she told me that her three-year-old says all the time, who he's missing. I miss Aunt so-and-so, and I miss Uncle John, and I miss Aunt Susie. And she said, I said to him, you know what? Well, we can't go visit them, but we could pray for them right now. He's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Let's pray for them right now. They need, I think they need prayer. And so she said, I think this is a fledgling intercession gift because he's got these people on his heart, even though he's little, 
she's sowing into the fact that he has a heart of compassion, and she's like, let's pray for them right now. We can do that. Isn't that cool that you can see gifts and you can see talents and you can affirm all of that and you can help people grow up and become confident in their gift mix? Now, I must tell you a small thing. If none of that happened for you, I'm living proof that God can compensate. That uh, I got to uh, being 18 years old and the gift I knew that I had was ability to drink coffee and watch television. That's probably all I knew when I was 18. I didn't know much more about my gift. What, what are your strengths? I have not got one clue. But you know what? The Lord made up over the years the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the local church have the ability to, to fill you, to drill out the, the cavities in your soul where you hurt and fill them with Jesus himself, and I'm living proof that that was, is the Lord. The Lord has the ability to do that. The Lord has the ability to uh, help you be in the word so that as you're in the word, he's washing your mind and he's teaching you how God thinks. You know, in the morning when I read my, uh, my Bible and coffee, it's not really very scientific or very mystical. It's just the day of the month. I read the psalm that goes with the day of the month. Oh, look, it's the 16th of the month. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. I read Psalm 16 with coffee at an early hour. And then, and then if I have the time, so, so the psalms, are, there's 150 of them. So in the 30 days of the month, there's five different psalms that are just for you to read. If you have time for one or two or three or four, you can begin to think like God thinks. And then, you know, you put some of the gospels and you begin to think about Jesus and, his, and how he, uh, his flow and how his processes and the Lord will, will teach you how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as you spend time. And he himself can heal your orphan spirit. He can, himself can come in where you might feel like you've been abandoned and the Holy Spirit can come in and he can make it up to you. He can heal you so that you, even though I didn't grow up, my family wasn't uh, Christian when I was little and it, my parents were preoccupied with other things, the Lord himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has come and taking those wounded places. You know, when you uh, have a grain of sand that gets into an oyster, it's an irritation and maybe it's a source of pain. But likewise, when you cover with the grace of God each wounded place and the Lord teaches you how to forgive those things that have happened to you in your childhood or in your youth that were uh, potentially damaging or tra traumatizing, they become beautiful gems that the Lord has made them into pearls because he's covered them with his grace and he's taught you how to perceive things from the mind of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Lord wants for you. He wants for you to have, be a trophy, that he's polished you, and even if you didn't have perfect parents, the Lord can come and he can restore you. And I just want you to know that the, the Father heart of God, that ability to nurture, that he wants us to be healed so that we can nurture other people, so that you can begin to hear from him, you're planted in godliness, you hear his voice, and then you become the one who nurtures other people. You know, if it's hard if you have the mentality that there's just a finite amount of cookies. If I give you one of my cookies, there are no more cookies. So I can give you one of my cookies. Oops, sorry, sorry, sorry. You know what? God has more. There's more in God. There's abundance. And, and if, if we can get our souls healed up, then we be, can become magnanimous, nurturing people to other people. And you know, uh, you can change history. If you're one of those coaches that really invested in a, in a kid, and, and the, the young man's life was changed because he had a caring coach and you were that coach. How cool is that? Recently, my daughter, um, she was sharing with her friends, they're, now they're nursing majors, and they're gonna be new nurses that are graduating this May, and they're gonna have these new incomes. And they were talking about that recently, and Grace was saying, oh yeah, my, my dad taught me how to set up a, 
401k or a Roth IRA or something. That I, I don't really understand all that stuff. And, and the girls were like, oh, will you teach us? And Grace's like, yeah, Dad, you're doing a seminar for all my friends on Saturday at the kitchen. And there they were, and at Saturday, it was like a half a dozen girls drinking coffee, learning about their finances, but that was his nurture was what, uh, as a dad, he was helping them understand what they didn't otherwise know. So maybe your nurture, maybe cutting other people's meat and washing hair is not your jam, but maybe you have gifting and talent, and talent that you can share with other people. I feel like my, my girls learned from the dance studio in Churchville. It was a godly place. They learned poise. They learned confidence. And they, it was a beautiful type of nurture they learned from that place. And I just feel like each of us can get healed enough and receive the nurture from God for our own souls so that we can be generous and magnanimous to other people. Does that sound good? I feel like uh, attributes in God like creativity, empathy, generosity, bravery, and compassion, those are the things we showcase in our families. And I feel like as we spend time in his word, uh, first, no, Colossians 1.28 says, we proclaim him warning and instructing everyone in all wisdom. That is with a comprehensive insight into the word and purposes of God so that we may present every person complete in Christ. It's the word of God, fully mature, trained up and perfected in him and anointed. He wants us to be mature. He doesn't want any protracted adolescence. You don't get to stay, you know, on Friends on TV, it seems like they sit around drink coffee indefinitely. What, what, are you growing up at all? What are you doing? Jesus saved us from sin, for, he's to Jesus, from sin to Jesus, but for the purpose of bearing fruit. And for each of us, the fruit may look like different things in different seasons. If you're home with small children, it means a lot of menial wiping up. It's like, do I need to wipe up this countertop one more time? Yes, you do. It's, you know, and there's gook on the floor. You know, that's the upside of having a dog. There's not as much gook on the floor if you have a dog, but if you don't have a dog, you're like, am I sweeping again? Why is there all this food on the floor again? You know, that's, that's small kids. And so, but, but beyond that, you have different seasons where you're giving and you're generous and you're investing in other people because the Lord it wants you to bear fruit. And uh, the, things, the other things that we can see is that Jesus, he affirmed his disciples. He listened, he cared, he modeled faith, he instructed, he defended. Isn't it beautiful that Jesus showed us how that he was the one who nurtures, who nurtures the disciples? And he grew up in a family. Do you know that if I had been God, I probably would have had Jesus translated to a mountain as a full-grown man with Shazam, fully dressed. I'm ready, do ministry. But Jesus was born through the womb of a teenage girl in a time in history was probably pretty dangerous. I mean, okay, I'm gonna tell you something off the record. I got told that new thinking with babies is they don't do snowsuits anymore because you might slip out to your death. You don't do blankets anymore because that's risky too. So now I'm having to learn all this new thinking about what you do with newborn babies, which I didn't know. So, so the point is that things change and we're learning new things. But Jesus was born in a, in a very dangerous place at a very dangerous time. There was like Roman soldiers in the street and God chose for him to be born into a family through the womb of a virgin to be born in an actual physical family where he had brothers and sisters. I wonder if they fought over the bathroom. I wonder if they said, who took the end last of the bread? You had yours already. I wonder if they had normal sibling stuff. You know, he always gets to go first. What do you think, you walking on water? Well, actually, yes, he is, he's Jesus. I mean, he was in a family. So God must have thought that that was important. 
that he learned family life. If scripture says that Jesus is our elder brother, he actually was a big brother and an actual family. So isn't it neat to know that God has ordained these normal things, normal families, and that's the workshop of the kingdom, our households, our families. And we can reproduce really cool attributes that our kids come to um, adulthood and they learn bravery and they learn honesty and they learn industry from the lab workshop of your house and not only that, we receive that same nurture from God so that we can go and give that to the rest of the world. How does that sound? Does that sound good? That's a progression. We're saved, we get healed up, we get taught, we get filled up, and then we go and we give that same nurture to the people who come into our lives so that they can come to salvation. Acts 17 says that, the, that God ordained the times and seasons that you would be born, the geographic location, and the time in history in order that men could come to salvation. Isn't that interesting to know that here I am in North Charlie, kind of bored, living in North Charlie all these years, and God knew. And, and he wants us to bear fruit in the neighborhoods we live in. So I'm going to pray for you. How does that sound? Good? All right. Uh, I believe that God wants to teach us how to receive nurture and give it. I'm going to pray to that end. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these dear families represented in this room. I thank you for all the moms that have raised their kids and did use their gifts and their talents to, uh, to foster trust and foster uh, faith. And I thank you, God, that you are the God who is in our futures and that you want to teach us and heal us that we can open our hands and open our hearts to receive the nurture that you have for us that you can heal, break the trauma off of our lives. We open up our hearts, Lord Jesus, for you to come in, for you to be the Lord of glory, and for you to heal us in the places that need healing. We give you permission to come in and teach us to nurture other people, that you, there is no lack in God, and that you have come to give us uh, all that we need, and that we would be able to be generous and magnanimous because there is uh, all things, every fountain we need, God. Your word says, all my fountains are in you. And so I just receive you as my source, my source of patience, my source of, of industry, my source of emotional uh, stability. And, and Lord, I just ask that you help us to reproduce those, those facets of God out in our communities and in our families, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks.